Welcome back to Diva Download. We're a new podcast interviewing stars of the opera world. This is the second episode in a two-part interview with the brilliant Nuccia Focile. If you're just joining us now, we highly recommend you listen to Nuccia Focile, part one. Otherwise, I feel a habanera coming on. New, new, no, no, no. <laughs> Actually, let's, let's leave it to um, the wonderful music by Leo Monby. Thanks, Leo. You nailed it. We love our funky tune. We hope you do too, listeners. <laughs> mentioned earlier in the episode Luciano Pavarotti we have to ask what was it like to work and sing with him well to sing with Luciano Pavarotti has been always an honor to be on stage with him to share the stage with him and obviously everything started with the Pavarotti competition in Philadelphia and I remember when I first did my audition in Italy to start with, um, I sang the aria from La Boheme, Mi Chiamano Mimi. And there's one line in the aria where she says to Rodolfo, Le m'intende. Do you understand me? And Rodolfo replies, Si. Obviously, you know, when you sing on your own, there's no Rodolfo there, so you just go on. But as I was singing that line, then I heard Luciano Spavarotti's voice from the balcony, you know, uh, replying to me, see. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, <laughs> that's Luciano Pavarotti. I just sang a duet with Luciano Pavarotti. <laughs> and immediately, just to hear his voice, um, answering back, it just gave me, uh, because I was so nervous, obviously, to sing in this huge big competition, uh, you know, the, the, the tension, the pressure, everything was so strong, but to hear his voice, to say just that very simple line, see, gave me all the strength, all the courage then to go on, and I felt, yes, I can do this. And I went for it. And then after the audition, you know, in, in Italy, um, then uh, I, uh, I was selected to go to Philadelphia to sing with the finalists. And during the competition in Philadelphia, then, uh, you know, the procedure at that time was like, you know, there wasn't like first, second or third prize. You know, they would put up um, two casts to sing a production on stage with Luciano Pavarotti at the Opera House in Philadelphia. So then I was one of the winners of the competition and they gave me the role of Mimi in La Boheme and also the role of Oscar in Un Ballo in Maschera. So there I was rehearsing every day with Pavarotti uh, in this wonderful Opera House in Philadelphia. And I have to say, Luciano was always very supportive of young singers, uh, encouraging. He always had uh, a nice word to say uh, to make you feel comfortable because, I mean, can you imagine? I wasn't even 24 when I sang with Luciano for the first time. And um, 
I felt a bit intimidated, obviously, by this amazing figure. And for me, he's like God, you know, he's the God of singing. And to be there, to sing with him on stage, um, in the, in, during the rehearsal process, actually, it was fantastic because he always would give me a good advice always would make me feel uh, comfortable and um, he always made me believe in myself and the fact that if I got to that point where I was actually a winner of the Pavarotti uh, competition that meant I must have been good somehow no that's what he kept saying to me I'm sure you must be good at something so don't <laughs> worry stop about being you know so preoccupied with being you know a bit tense and nervous you know just be yourself, be yourself, embrace the character, enjoy the music, and just go for it. So, and I did. And it was one of the most wonderful time in my life because, you know, to be so young, as I said, I wasn't even 24 yet. And to share such an amazing experience on stage with one of the most amazing uh, figure in the opera uh, world, it was really something special, something extraordinary that I wish to any young singer, you know, to experience something like that because it is really unbelievably beautiful. And were Pavarotti's words of telling you just to go for it with you for the rest of your career, or did you ever get nervous again? <laughs> well, I tell you what, getting nervous before going on stage never stops. And actually, I figure out that as time goes by, as you become more aware of what you're doing, and obviously the more you become established in your career, the more you have always, you know, make sure that you give your best every night that you go on stage. So being nervous before going on stage, actually, it gets worse after a while because at least that's the way I experienced it because I always then wanting to give my best. I, you know, the audience is there and then they, they know you after a while and they expect from you every night your best. So those nerves, <laughs> they have never, never left me. But I always, I've always thought about, you know, those words uh, from Luciano Pavarotti, uh, just be yourself, focus on that very first line that you're about to sing, and the rest, you just have to let it happen by, you know, having that faith in what you're doing and believing in what you're doing. And in La Voix Humaine, which is a one-woman opera by Poulenc, which you've sung at the Royal Opera, Lindbury Theatre and Seattle Opera, what was it like being alone on stage? Well, probably that was the most terrifying thing ever. <laughs> because there I was on my own, just, you know, the music and a telephone there. So... The whole character, the whole story is based about uh, around these conversations that this woman has over the phone, um, trying to reach her lover. And there are some um, interferences uh, in the line. So some people get in the line and uh, 
so she's talking to other people, uh, trying to get rid of them because obviously she wants to talk with the man that she's in love with. And um, there is a little bit of a mixture. There are some kind of uh, funny little moments which are breaking the story a little bit because it is quite tragic. It is quite dramatic, the whole story, uh, because it's the end of a relationship. Uh, so the man wants to end uh, the relationship with the woman. And obviously for her is the end of a life and she commits suicide at the end by taking pills. So it's not a happy end. <laughs> so can you imagine during the, the whole time when I was uh, on my own rehearsing, having to cope with this character, which is constantly in your head. And um, it's quite depressing somehow. And because you don't share this emotion, on stage with anybody else it can be quite um, draining uh, and I remember <laughs> when, especially when I was in Seattle uh, uh, there was a, a shop right in front of the accommodation where I was staying where they were selling ice cream so every night whenever I was coming back from the rehearsals <laughs> I would buy <laughs> a huge big tub of ice cream <laughs> and I'll go upstairs and eat it all by myself watching some TV because that was the only comfort I could find in those moments. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, but it did help me somehow. You, well, you go through a breakup every night. It's a, it's a natural response. Grab the ice cream. Yes, because as I was saying also before, you know, somehow the new become that character you become that person so that character is always there with you all those emotions they can't just you can't just switch off especially from something like this which is so intense and so then my only way to switch off from it for a moment was just eating ice cream and i loved it i didn't put on weight thank good for that <laughs> You probably uh, burnt a lot of calories each night. Yes, yes, exactly. So my body needed to recharge a little bit and um, the ice cream was just gorgeous. It was Ben and Jerry, so I ate it all. Uh, anyway, but that was one of the most, I would say, unique experiences I had because trying to cope, you know, with loneliness and feeling so lonely and you know of course you have that contact with the director with the conductor but that's it it's not like you can go out with the cast after you know and celebrate or have a drink and you don't even feel like doing that because there's so much that you then keep thinking about and because obviously uh, the music is so complex and doing such a role all by memory, you know, you have to make sure that you really know the score inside out because you can't afford to make a mistake because there's no way of covering it up because there aren't any, uh, other people on stage, you know. So everything is so transparent. You can hear, you can see everything. And so that's why my focus was to make sure that 
I would remember every single word in French, every single note, all my entrances, uh, all my cues from the orchestra. And every night before going on stage during the actual performances, I would sing to myself all my lines. Just, I would go in my head through the score, singing all my lines to make sure that it was still there. <laughs> because trust me, once you are on stage on your own doing something like that, the first thing that you worry about is what if I all of a sudden forget an entrance or I forget a word. It's terrifying. Mm. But you know, then once you are in it, you get into that frame of mind and you do it. Like other things in life you know sometimes we we underestimate uh what we actually are capable of doing but then again if you trust yourself if you go for it then you know that more or less you know you can always rely on what you've put all the hard work that you have put into it all the preparation that it's there behind every single role that you you work on and then you just bless yourself before you go on stage and pray for the best. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you deal with the emotional intensity of these characters? Do you have a favorite type of director? Well, I've worked with several wonderful, amazing directors like uh, Zeffirelli, Peter Stein, Jonathan Miller, uh, Michael Hampe, John Copling, you name them all, you know and they've all given me something different but one thing that I've always liked working on stage with a director is when a director pushes you a little bit further mm -hmm. and really tries to get the best out of you um, sometimes you know mm, it compromises a little bit the way that you sing because you might be in an um, uncomfortable position or you have to do an action or something but once you then try and you uh, you have to have an open mind obviously when you are on stage and never say oh i'll never do that try you have to try until you find within yourself if you are actually capable of doing it and um, it's nice because I, I like the challenge. I like being challenged on stage. I've always liked going a little bit further, understanding about the psychology of the character. And with a director that actually works on those things and is based on really digging deep inside the, the character, something that I've always find it um, very exciting. And, you know, never taking for granted a character. If you've done it before, for example, several times, say, oh, I know that character. No, there's always something new, something different. And when you have a wonderful director that understands in the tiniest little details, and then he really tries to get the best out of you, then that's absolutely fantastic. It's challenging and tiring, but it's satisfying because at the end, you know, you just do something that, again, you didn't know that you were capable of doing. But it's just that giving that go and trust 
in it and just do it. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to do for a role? Well, this is a funny story, but the hardest thing I had to do ever on stage for a role, it was in um, a contemporary opera, Pinocchio, by Marco Tutino, an Italian composer. And uh, my character was Jiminy Cricket. So <laughs> I remember <laughs> I had to wear a costume uh, which looked like a cricket. <laughs> I looked like a cricket on stage, I, all black. Um, I had a, like a top hat and uh, the mask that I was wearing, you know, it was uh, obviously half a mask that covered my eyes. And so just let my mouth free to be able to sing basically. So I remember I had to put black makeup on my face every single night because obviously I had to blend in with the costume. And this costume, um, I mean, <laughs> I looked like obviously a gigantic Jiminy Cricket on stage. <laughs> Uh, and I remember at the beginning of the scene where I was, uh, I was um, on the top of a clock. There was a very big, um, tall clock on stage. So and I, was, I was just sitting on the uh, top of this clock. And um, obviously the costume was quite uh, heavy to wear. And then uh, the director, <laughs> asked me to jump off from the top of the clock as a cricket would do <laughs> to jump off on the floor and I remember I had to hop all the time on stage. <laughs> <laughs> really what that role kept me fit. Muscles <laughs> were aching in rehearsals I remember I said, is there any way we can change a little bit my movements because I'm making a longer. <laughs> anyway, but then um, once I had the costume on and obviously I enjoyed it so much because again, who would ever be a cricket in real life? Nobody. So, but that gave me an opportunity to do something totally different, totally, you know, not um, the usual uh, traditional role to play on stage. It was something that you, know, you wouldn't even dream of doing. But thanks to contemporary opera, that was fantastic and I enjoyed it. And I remember the, the little boy that was singing Pinocchio, he was so sweet, he was so nice. And, uh, but he kept saying to me every time, every night when you jump off from that clock, I'm so scared that you're gonna smash your head on the floor. I never did, so I was safe, I was fine. I had the best time of my life. I really had such fun. It was great. He sounds a lot less reassuring than the boy from Madame Butterfly who was tapping you on the back saying, it's gonna be yes. okay. <laughs> yes, he could see what was going to happen actually. <laughs> so from crickets to Madame Butterfly, have any of the roles you've sung affected your life personally? Well, yes, I would say Elle in La Voyoumen you know, going back to what we talked about it before, because then as a person, uh, I couldn't really switch off from the role. 
And I remember even the tiniest, I mean, it might sound like a stupid thing, but every time I was hearing a phone ringing, I wanted to pick up the phone. I wanted to answer. I wanted to have a conversation, you know, because it, it happens quite a lot in the opera. She hears the phone ringing and there she is. She, she, she grabs it straight away and she talks. So it was like um, a compulsive kind of reaction <laughs> without even thinking. Uh, but yes, it did affect me because uh, it was very, as I said, depressing. I felt... Um, I felt that everything was quite dark during that period. And because I didn't have uh, anybody from my family with me, so I was completely on my own. It was hard. It was hard. But I think I would do it again if I, if I had to. Because uh, sometimes, you know, not everything in life can be so pretty and easy and beautiful. You have to go through deep emotions as well to understand a little bit more about yourself. And you're known for singing La Voix Men and also for Tatiana, which is in Russian. What is it like singing in your native Italian versus these other languages? Whenever I had to sing a role which is not in my native language, I always had to, you know, prepare very carefully, understanding uh, word by word what I was saying, understanding the sound of the language and in particular when I first learned Tatiana, that was my very first Russian role ever. I had never sung anything in Russian before and I remember uh, from the very beginning I went to a Russian coach so just to get used to the sound of the language. And I started just with the text. I didn't even touch the music uh, yet. I start with the text. I started with getting the inflection also of the language, the right stresses, and then trying to put that together with the music. Obviously, it wasn't easy, but it took me altogether a year to prepare for that role. A, because it was such a big project, uh, doing it for the first time, the Teatro de Châtelet in Paris, with Semyon Bishkov conducting, uh, Dmitry Khvorovsovsky as Eugenio Onegin, everybody else in the cast was Russian, so <laughs> it was quite um, a big thing for me. Mm. So I wanted to make sure that I was totally prepared you know, just going from scratch. From then, you know, it's like working on layers. So then you have to develop the character. You have to develop the psychology of the character. You have to develop the musicality, which is within the character and the vocal aspect and how to deal, you know, with the journey, with the drama and everything. But uh, going back to your original question, then Yes, obviously, um, when I sing in Italian, certain things, they become much more natural because they are there, they are within the system, they are in my blood, so I can go straight a little bit more maybe into the musical aspect of, of a character because I don't have to worry about the language. But anything else which is not Italian, I really have to take it from scratch. And that's what I've done always. No matter about the language, I also sang roles in Czech and that was very difficult because 
it's not a language that you can actually refer to that sounds like something else, you know. It's, there are particular sounds in the language where you have so many consonants all at once that you have to pronounce and make a sound out of it. So it's not easy. But the process has been always the same, you know. Understanding, being very meticulous, very accurate, and uh, never let any detail go. And um, trying to get into the sound of a particular language. We have a slightly controversial question. Uh, opera's supposed elitism is something we're trying to obviously combat in the UK and abroad. And one way of doing that is to write English translations to well-known operas to sort of introduce people to opera in a language that's familiar to them. What do you think of translating operas into English? Well, let's say I'm not so keen on it. <laughs> I prefer, I do prefer uh, an opera sung in the original language because obviously the text goes with the music. The music was born with that language in mind. Some English translations, unless you know they're really accurate and they don't really change the rhythm in the music as much. Uh, it can be acceptable, let's say, but, um, well, because I had to sing in English twice in my life. <laughs> I haven't sung in, in English much, but the first time I did La Voix Humaine in London, it was in English. It wasn't in French. And that was already for me something, ooh, I don't know if I can do this, but, I did it, you know, again, once you are in that frame of mind, then you go for it and you accept certain things and you go beyond that. But it took me longer to learn the, the role in English than it did in French. Because obviously, because that is such a particular uh, way of writing uh, about the language itself, then I had to change the rhythm in the music to make sure that the text in English would fit and then it would make sense musically as well. So that was another you know, layer of extra work on that particular role. Um, but in the end, it did work fine. And I understood then why it was necessary to do it somehow in English, because then the audience felt actually more connected it was more direct the way of communicating then with the audience without having to read the subtitles so it did work in the end but when i did it in french then in seattle i have to say it was a completely different cup of tea because everything blended beautifully together because that's the way that the composer had it in mind um, and then the second time I had to sing in English, it was a WNO. We were doing a brand new production of Fledermouse. And obviously, you know, there are dialogues and, you know, the audience wants to understand the jokes straight away. So I learned the, the whole role. Uh, I was doing Rosalinda in English. And I had such fun, I have to say, <laughs> because I obviously... I can speak English, let's say I can speak English, uh, but I don't speak German. 
I can understand, I can learn a role in German, but you know, having to do such a role like Rosalinda in a language that I can actually understand directly what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and with those, you know, old double meanings, and uh, it was quite fun. And the dialogues, I have to say, were the best moments because some nights we would even improvise. Uh, so we would say certain things with the other singers and uh, we would make jokes and the audience just loved that. So in general, yes, I prefer operas sung in the original language for many different reasons. But I'm kind of open-minded, although I'm not so keen on it, to also English translations because especially in this country, it does help for the audience, you know, to feel a little bit more involved with the story. Nuccia, you're now an established and really loved teacher in Cardiff and London at the Royal Academy of Music. What do you love about teaching? Right, well, <laughs> I love teaching, yes, I really do. Um, I think one of the things that I am passionate about teaching is the, probably is, is passing on my experience to the students. I like to understand my students. And for example, there's something that I find it priceless about teaching is when a student achieves something and that something clicks and then the expression on their face when they're happy, um, it just makes me so happy because, you know, I feel like I have contributed somehow uh, to something to make the uh, singing life a little bit easier, to make them understand certain things. But teaching, it's, um, although I find still something which is a little bit new to me, I've been now for three years at the Royal Academy of Music in London and I've been teaching consecutively for seven years uh, with Dennis O'Neill here in Cardiff while I was still performing at that time. But now, you know, for the last three years, I've been focusing on teaching. Uh, so I still feel a bit new in the field. But there's something that I learned about myself is that every day is different because every student that comes through that door every day you know comes with a new story comes with a little bit of their life uh, comes with a little problem sometimes we have tears sometimes we laugh you know it's um it's something that you can't really prepare yourself for it it's not like when you learn a role then you do your homework, you know you're ready, you go on stage, you perform it. Being a teacher, every day you have to be prepared, you know, to the unexpected. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you have to reinvent yourself a little bit. And still, you know, having that uh, open mind. And I always say to my students, you know, the same as I been told just to believe in themselves and even if they make mistakes even something is not perfect straight away it doesn't matter because you know also being a student means you know the voice keeps developing the voice uh, is um, there uh, every day something new happens and the students themselves they discover something new every day about their voice and I'm there to 
hopefully, <laughs> to guide them and to make sure that they go through this journey of being a student until they're ready to spread their wings, um, feeling then confident about themselves because I believe building that confidence in a student is essential it's so important and then uh, just as I said you know seeing the expression on their face when they're happy when they sing a nice note when they they can sing you know, they reach a top note that they didn't even know they had it and that's it's really priceless so I feel blessed to be a teacher and it has been a transition obviously going from being on stage performing and now feeling you know being a full-time teacher uh, although yes of course sometimes I miss being on stage but I feel it's a new chapter in my life and the students you know they give me every single day all that love that affection um, and it just makes me feel feel very 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 good can confirm as a student of yours that <laughs> there's a lot of guidance and support and feelings of confidence that they get and it, and it really does come through this love of teaching uh, my question is how did you know when you wanted to concentrate more on teaching than on performing yes uh well <laughs> just before i had the offer to teach at the royal academy i was thinking about what to do really uh, with my life as an opera singer because obviously you know you sing sing for years and years and i've been doing it for the last 35 years uh, so then eventually you know the voice changes a little bit uh, i was thinking maybe i should go to a different repertoire i was trying to understand uh, the transition also that my voice was going through and so there I was discovering maybe a few new roles, a few things. And then when um, Mark Wildman, that used to be the head, you know, of the vocal department at the Royal Academy, rang me and he said, look, Anuccia, we really would like to offer you a position at the Royal Academy as a singing teacher what do you think because we know you're busy about you know still uh, singing in your career uh, we just would like to know what your uh, uh, feelings are and then i knew that was the answer that was the answer to my questions what should i do should i continue singing should i stop but that gave me um uh, that um energy and to make me finally then decide what I wanted to do and I knew I was going to do the right thing because I haven't regretted since I'm quite happy to be a teacher at the Royal Academy in London and uh, I have to say thank you to Mark Wildman for um, you know giving to me that answer that I was looking for. And from the last three years of teaching that you've been doing, do you have any advice for young singers out there? Well, I would say, <laughs> I, I find like I'm repeating myself quite a lot here, but <laughs> this is what I believe in. So I would say, yes, always believe in yourself, cherish and nourish your gift, because what you have there is a gift. And you know, you should always be 
totally honest when you are on stage. Never be afraid of showing your emotions. And just persevere, follow your dream. Never stop. Thank you so much. We would love to conclude the interview with a series of 10 quick fire questions. Nuccia, are you ready? I think so. Fire on. That's okay. it. Question number one. Favourite composer? Tchaikovsky. Question number two. Favourite role to sing in opera? Butterfly. Number three. Your favourite dinner? Well, it has to be Italian. Beef lasagna followed by Siciliani cannoli. Number four, day or night? Definitely night. Five, dream role from any fach? Carmen, as in Carmen. Ooh. Yes. Good answer. Number six, best advice you've ever received? Never apologize for being yourself. <laughs> Seven, favorite hobby? Cooking. Number eight, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? I would love to be able to heal any kind of pain. Number nine, if you weren't a singer, you would be a... Hairdresser. Rogue. <laughs> Number ten, a favourite film of yours? Well, that has to be... Dr. Zhivago is one of the most romantic films ever. Sorry, I am a very romantic person. <laughs> we never would have guessed. <laughs> Lucia, it has been such a pleasure having you on Diva Download. I am personally so excited for this episode to be out there because I think I can speak for both of us and we say we've had such a emotional roller coaster listening yes. to your stories and your advice and all about your career and I cannot wait for everybody else to hear it too so thank you so much for joining us thank you Nietzsche well, I would love to thank you both uh, for making me part of this wonderful project you've been fantastic I've had such a time having such a lovely conversation with you so grazie thank you so much ciao ciao bye <laughs> We've heard from a few of you that we should probably have like a, a sign off that we use at the end of every episode, but we are really, really struggling to come up with one. Um, Some of our attempts were awful. Yeah, really bad. What we've, do we have? She's been Indy. She's been Sophie. <laughs> and this has been Diva, Diva Download. Download. <laughs> Download. Thanks for downloading Divas. Or and Curtain Down. We'll stop. You, you get it. So if you have any suggestions, please email us at divadownload at hotmail.com. And don't worry if you didn't get that. Our email is in our show notes. <laughs>